Hello and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth, the podcast brought to you by Arrow ECS to help the channel better understand the trends, technologies and concepts facing the IT industry today. In this upcoming special series, our friends from the Arrow On Point podcast show will be taking over bandwidth as Izzy and her guests begin to look in depth at the Internet of Things market, specifically what's happening in the world of smarter cities and smarter manufacturing. We hope you enjoy the show, and if you do, please leave a review or a rating on your preferred podcast platform. It helps others find us. So without further ado, it's over to Izzy. Most people live in the present, the world of now, but a handful of us work in a unique world that doesn't quite exist yet, the world of five years out. This episode is coming from Arrow's Internet of Things department. My name is Izzy Bonasso. I'm new to Arrow and I'm new to the Internet of Things, so I'm ready to explore, inform myself while informing you, and keep us all looking forward and learning. Welcome back to Arrow on Point. We hope that you've been keeping up with our intro to IoT series. We're moving along pretty quickly here, and I think we're ready to get into some of the technical details. So today on the show, Matthew and I will be talking about the technologies that enable us to build a smarter world. There's a lot to talk about here, so we've whittled it down to just a few key parts. Stay tuned. Hi, Matthew. Welcome back to Arrow on Point. (laughs) Hey, Izzy. It's great to be back on the show. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a few days, I think. A few days, yep. And we're ready to talk about the technology that's enabling smart cities in this IoT environment. Are you ready? I think that's a great topic. Let's get real. (laughs) Let's get real. So the IoT public safety market is said to be worth $2 billion by 2023. Mm -hmm. What are the technologies that are driving this market, and why is it growing so quickly? You know, Izzy, public safety is something that's uh, very high on the agenda of most citizen regions throughout the world, and rightly so. So with Arrow, we look at our global ecosystem for the best-in-class solutions around public safety, and one of the wonderful solutions that we're deploying at the moment of working with Intel technology is a company called V5 Systems. And V5 Systems have something called edge compute and analytics that happens in a computer box deployed within the city. And this is great. So what that means is, is that all the computing to detect things like gunshot, the uh, looking at license plate reading, uh, looking for particular uh, uh, traffic or, uh, around a particular place, maybe people are congregating, um, or, or whether it's actually doing things like um, counting bikes or counting cars and counting pedestrians and things like that. That's happening right in the city itself, and that's called edge computing. And that's great because cities really like that because action can be taken more or less immediately uh, around public safety. So V5 is a wonderful example of where we can deploy this new thing called edge compute in cities around things like public safety. V5 Systems is a really good example of 
public safety and IoT, but I remember in the office we were talking and you mentioned something about geofencing, but I didn't know what it was. Could you explain here on the air? Yes, of course. So geofencing is um, is kind of a, a virtual perimeter of electrons that's around a physical space. So imagine that you own a car park and uh, you want to know how long cars have been there for and how many people are walking across that car park and whether people are actually stealing cars. So what geofencing does you set it up to be the perimeter of the car park and then it looks for behavior in the car park. So when cars move in and out the car park, people moving in and around the car park and where they're moving to, they're identified. And if you bring in facial recognition, which is a little bit scary, you can actually know who's in the car park. And so geofencing, is, this is what edge analytics does. It allows us to create these virtual perimeters called geofencing to protect our physical environment from unexpected behavior or unwanted behavior. Are there any other applications besides parking lots for geofencing? Sure. I mean, you can do geofencing in retail, and that's actually more of a positive thing, and that's looking for hotspots. So where are the customers going in particular within the store? Which, are the, which ways are they walking through the store? Where are they staying in the store the most number of times? Which areas of the store are the most popular? So in retail, geofencing and tracking assets and movement throughout a retail store is something that's been seen as incredibly valuable for retail store owners to know where to put the, to encourage purchases. Denver has created some blueprints for plans to substantially increase the availability of public transit by 2040. Goals like increasing the number of homes in walking distance to quality transit and many others. This is just one city's example of population growth rates putting some stress on transit systems. But what's the solution? How is IoT going to fix this problem? Well, this is a really good question. And and cities and regions throughout the world, regardless whether you're in a developing or a developed economy, are facing the same problems around transportation and the increased stress on it. IoT is not the placebo to resolve transportation problems full stop, but it can make a difference. And I think that's where we need to start. So, for example, uh, we have the I-25 here, which becomes a a parking lot on a Friday evening or early in the morning. And so how do we manage that congestion? How do we improve the driving experience throughout as, as people come in and out the region? And so what we can do is we can deploy IoT across our uh, road infrastructure to be able to know when congestion's starting and reroute people and change the traffic light signaling in order to optimize traffic throughput. And that's a good thing. So something called intelligent transport systems are becoming more and more popular. And there's a lot of innovation in the United States of America around intelligent transport systems where basically traffic lights are connected together intelligently. So the traffic light from one city, that system will be connected to the traffic light of a city next to it, which will be connected to a traffic light system of a city next to that. And so you have a regional transport uh, traffic light system. And so what that means is we can now manage the region intelligently with the traffic lights in order to try and create a better driving experience. 
And that's where IoT can primarily help around the car. Now, there are other practical things you can do, and let me give you some non-IoT examples. So there's been an initiative in, uh, in Centennial called Go Centennial, and this has been primarily, it's the last mile story, is how do you get people easily from their homes to public transport, like the light rail that goes through our region, and from the light rail back into their homes at the end of a journey. And so Go Centennial partnered with Lyft, and they did a personalised, free transportation to the door service for members uh, and, and citizens of Centennial to go to and from the light rail. It was kind of like ordering your own car, valet car, on demand. And that was very successful. Was it just a test run or is that something sustainable so it was long a, term? So that's a great question. I think these initiatives create tremendous value. Finding the economic sustainability is a challenge. However, there are options to make this economically sustainable, particularly around automated vehicles, so where the costs are much lower. So I think we will see more of these initiatives of last mile that become economically sustainable and more popular. And I'll just finish, because I know you want to ask the next question, is probably in the next 10 years, there will be a reduction in car ownership and people will be ordering and traveling in, in cars on demand that they don't own. They'll be basically, everybody, it's like a big rental car pool that everybody uses. And that is that will start to transition over the next 10 years. And I suspect in, within 10 years, we'll start to see some cities and regions taking leadership in this. So does the typical citizen have any kind of role in their smart city or are they just kind of left on the sidelines? I mean, what kind of control do they have of their own technology? So this is a great question. So cities are about citizens, aren't they? Yeah. So citizens should be involved in developing smart cities. The United Nations uh, have a metric now for smart cities in terms of um, measuring how ethical they are. And one of them is the citizens should be involved in innovating smart city solutions. And so what we're seeing, and we're doing this here in Colorado, um, is that um, something called citizen innovation labs are starting to sprout up in different smart city initiatives around the world. And this is a place where the citizens can come in, learn about IoT and smart city technologies, discuss the challenges that they have, and work with the public and private sector around what the solutions and what the technologies may be like and kind of be involved in the kind of design, the innovation, the procurement process, which is really quite fantastic. You know, we have to address some of the real problems around people being paranoid around facial recognition. And um, I think there's a fresh story that has to be told in terms of, well, if it protects your child in a school or can protect your child in a school, isn't that a good thing? If it keeps crime off the streets, is that a good thing? If it makes your travel to work much easier in your car, isn't that a good thing? So I think that there will be some debate around uh, uh, kind of facial recognition and things like that. And, and that's a good debate to have because I think it's important that everybody understands the purpose of these IoT technologies and why these sensors are being deployed throughout our cities and will be deployed in our homes and in our cars, in our streets, in our schools, um, in our parks, quite frankly, everywhere. And, and it's actually about creating a better citizen experience, but the citizens should be involved. 
Now, the next thing to really look at, I think, is ownership of data. Is that something, is that a rabbit hole you'd like to go down? Oh, yes. I mean, we talked about it last show. We've got to talk about it now. Okay. So, um, we've all seen in the press recently over the last 12 months around um, poor stewardship of people's data. And, and we're all creating our own digital twin, i.e. we're all creating our own digital footprint. And as we um, are more and more active and live longer in this kind of cyber world that we're all living in now, then our data footprint is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so the question is, is that who owns that? Who should steward that data? And so we're seeing projects in the in the United Nations, in the European Union, and uh, you know that I'm a big uh, supporter of this, is that what is the value of citizens owning their own data and how do we steward that responsibly for them? Could that create a new type of currency or data economy? Could that be a new type of uh, economic platform that we can use in society which is more inclusive where we can create new commerce for citizens, we can create new services for citizens where citizens can trade their data for maybe a service, maybe for a new pair of tires on their car, maybe for uh, maybe for a, a fantastic Big Mac or whatever people eat these days. Um, I think there's a conversation to have about trading of data. And what we're seeing is, I think what we'll see is this, is that um, just like our bank accounts that steward our financial currency, I think that there'll be financial institutions that will steward our data currency. And technologies like AI, distributed ledger, and blockchain will be used to actually trade our data on our behalf under our guidance and based on our cultural profile to give us new experiences, new services, new goods, new commerce as we trade our data because our data has value. If our data is already out there, how are we going to protect it? I mean, essentially, it's already known, so can you take it back? That's a great question, and to be honest, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think we need to start somewhere. I think the IoT, with all its data transactions, which will be trillions and trillions and trillions as we're going in the future per day, that the IoT, because it's data-driven, it's creating a data-driven economy, I think that's the place to start. And we, we do have to start somewhere. And there are businesses looking at this. You know, Facebook's revisiting its whole privacy and how it stewards that. The CEO of Google says that we're stewards of data. But I think there's an opportunity for the financial institutions to, to kind of uh, uh, look after our data and, and help us to, uh, to, to, to keep it safe, but also for us to use it in transactions in this new type of economy that's data-driven. Logistically, how would that data be protected? Is it a... Um... So it's kind of a secure bank vault in what we call trusted escrow. And so just like, how do you know your, your money is... What does your money look like in the cyber world? When you log on to your bank account... It's just a number. It's just a number. Same with your data. So that data will be... It's like a... Imagine a vault... Right? that's protected by the very best cybersecurity, your own personal avatar that's guarding it for you with your own preferences, your own cultural profile. 
using distributed ledger to track every transaction so there's accountability in that trust chain um, so what we'll see is, is kind of these uh, secure vaults that are underwritten by incredible cybersecurity. things like quantum computing will probably be involved in this so that we re they really can't be hacked and um, and so basically that will be your, your, your personal bank account, your data bank account will be following you, following you around wherever you go and you control that and you dictate how the data transactions occur. From what I understand, there's a lot of data being collected either about the citizen or about the roads or the parking lot or the people. Mm. What kind of issues or what's the process of creating a smart city? Now that is a fantastic question, Izzy. And that's what we'll dive into the next show. Is there one technology that will make a city smart? Is there one solution that can help a city to become smart very quickly? Is there just a, a placebo that a city can use in order to become smart? And the answer is far more interesting than yes. Well, I'm very interested. I'm intrigued, in fact, and I'll be back here to, to hear more. I'm looking forward to it. Have a great weekend, Izzy. You too. If you're interested in learning more, visit Aero.com or connect with us on Twitter at Aero Global. Aero Electronics, five years out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Aero Bandwidth. If you'd like to hear more, please click and subscribe to our channel on your preferred podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Aero Global. Or learn more about us at our various websites, including www.arrow.com. Thanks for listening.